love a good book. How do you think that a neurodiversity uh, can be represented in literature? Well, parents, today that is our topic. We're going to discuss celebrating neurodiversity in literature. Welcome again to another episode of Thriving Special Families. I'm your host, Crystal Sanford, and our special guest is Bracca Getz. Hi, Bracca. Hello, Crystal. So happy to be here. Thank you for being here. We're just so excited to dive into your books and this discussion around literature today. Um, parents, as you're joining us on our podcast, a welcome. We encourage you to leave a comment, like, and share about Thriving Special Families. Um, and then also know that the information that is shared is for your informational purposes only. And if you are in need of legal or medical advice, please do contact a professional in that area. So again, our special guest is uh, Bronca. She is a Harvard-educated author of 40 books that help children's souls to shine. One of her picture books, Let's Appreciate Everyone, teaches young children how to interact more sensitively with children with unique needs. Two of her other picture books, Educate About Personal Safety. This is a topic that is especially important for children with unique needs to absorb while they can be more vulnerable. All of her books can be found on the Bracca Gets Amazon author page, and we will hear more about uh, Bracca and her books today. So, you know, I really value story. I would love to hear a little bit more, uh, Bracca, about what led you to become an author and then your your connection with the special needs community. Okay, sure. I... I guess I became an author of children's books because I wanted to write the kind of books that I wished I had as a child. Mm. Books that teach about spiritual understandings because many people think children can't understand spirituality, but I believe they can and they're hungry for it as early as possible. So so that's what I do. I teach all kinds of values about giving and gratitude. And also, like you mentioned, about how to protect our bodies, which are the houses for our souls. So if, if, if our bodies, you know, um, are, let's say, um, if, in terms of uh, keeping our bodies healthy, eating healthy foods, and also, as you mentioned, um, we have to watch out for perpetrators and especially for um, children uh, with neurodiversity. It, it, it's, they, they have to be as um, we have to be especially protective because they are more vulnerable and um, it's extremely important for children to, in a sense, be vaccinated against that beforehand so that they are, don't get their don't get damaged by it because it affects everybody's soul. It puts a lot of garbage on top of souls if um, if 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 children are abused or neglected, and so we need to make every effort possible for that not to happen. Mm -hmm. Well, this is beautiful. I just can't imagine um, 
that then just comes from such a beautiful uh, heart that you are uh, writing your, your books from. And this can just potentially be um, really supportive to a lot of uh, children with unique needs and families. Um, and so what led you, I know that you have some books around safety, we're going to talk about those, but then what led you to uh, create children's books with uh, more neurodiverse characters, uh, kiddos who had unique needs? Yes. Well, when one of my granddaughters was born with um, severe spina bifida, people started saying to me, I bet you're going to write a children's book about neurodiverse issues. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, "Um, I'd love to, but I really don't know enough to do that. So I don't know if it's going to happen. And then I read an article about a woman, uh, her name is Yael Zellinger. She is going around giving workshops, sensitizing children about these neurodiverse issues so that um, children can be more inclusive and interact more effectively. And so um, as soon as I read the article, I called her up and I said, you know, I would love to make your workshops into a children's book. So it could be accessible to everybody, not only to the classrooms that you're going to. And she she was thrilled. So that's what this book is. This book is mainly, let's appreciate everyone, is mainly about the workshops that she's giving. So I pretend that it's a classroom in the book and I go through uh, what the different workshops are. Not all of them, but some of her great workshops for children. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's so wonderful. You know, and you hear about some of the work that's happening, inclusion and such things, but putting that together into a children's book is awesome because then that offers parents the opportunity to, to share and have those discussions at home too. And um, parent, you know, children who are neurotypical can learn more about how, you know, we all can accept and include and appreciate, you know, each other. So that's wonderful. Um, wow. So uh, which book uh, would you say um, gives us a little bit more sneak peek into this neurodiversity? You said it was uh, Let's Appreciate Everyone. Yeah, I, I would love to share parts of it with you. Yeah. If, 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 I, if I read too much, let me know. You can stop me at any time. I, I want to share. I really want to share this because I think these workshops should be universal. This is the, this is the kind of information it needs. So it begins with there's a teacher okay. who he's looking out the window and he sees all the children playing and there's one boy in a wheelchair who isn't included in the game of ball that they're playing outside. Mm-hmm. When the children come back in, he asks them, you know that everybody's made differently and we all have things we're good at and things that we're not good at. Would anyone like to share an example? And then the boys start saying, one says, I'm good at being friendly, but I'm not good at reading. Mm -hmm. And another one says, I'm good at math, but I'm not good at playing ball. Mm -hmm. And another one says, I'm good at telling stories, but I don't have good handwriting. And, And then the teacher asks, should we make fun or leave someone out just because he's not good at something? And the boys all realize that they should not. And, and they say, and, he said, and the teacher asks, why not? So one of the boys says, because it, it might hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. And the teacher says, um, I'm going to give you a 
in these presentations, I had a piece of paper of a smiling face, just like in the book. And, and the teacher says, um, I'm going to give each them to draw a smiley face. And let's pretend that this happy face that you just made is a boy who isn't so good at playing baseball. When he misses the ball, a boy shouts, I wish he wasn't on our team. Mm. And then you tell them, let's make a fold on the paper to show how. And what if even more boys said mean things like that? Or what if they didn't include him in the game at all? And then let's make more folds on the paper face until what happens to it? It gets crumpled up and teacher says you see how the smiley face is no longer there it's all crumpled up it would be awfully hard to play feeling all crumpled up like that wouldn't it mm -hmm. so what kind of things could we say instead to a boy who wasn't so good at batting or catching or math or reading mm -hmm. or running what could we say instead and then one of, one of the boys says, how about, good try. And another boy says, don't worry, it's okay. And he says, the teacher says, and you know what else you could do? You could say, show me something that you're good at doing, that you want to share with us. One of the things you like to do. Because everyone has something they're good at or that's good about him. So at the next recess, the boys asked, um, the boy that was in the wheelchair to show them. And he, he loved showing them tricks he could do with his yo-yo. Okay. And, and then they also figured out ways that he could be included in a ball game as well. Mm. They figured out how to do that. So now in the book, and you could stop me at any point, but I, mm. I love sharing this. They, they, we go on to a class where it's a bunch of girls together. And in this classroom, also they see... The teacher notices a child that's not being included. Mm -hmm. She does this workshop with them. She gives out pictures of animals to all the children, but only one person in the class gets a sheep, and they all get different things, cows or goats or different things. And then she says, how does it feel to the person that has the sheep picture? How does it feel to be the only one? That's different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she said, well, it doesn't feel so good. Like I'm not in the groups with any of the others. They all are sharing their different animals. Mm -hmm. And then she points out that every animal has something to give to us in the world. Everything mm -hmm. has, everyone has, just like we all have something unique. Each animal gives something to the world with the cows mm -hmm. and the milk and the chickens and the eggs and the mm -hmm. sheep give their wool. Mm -hmm. And we too, each of us has a different role that we play. Another thing. Can I stop you right here? Please, uh, please. This is so great. Some of these key points that I can see kind of flowing through your, for the, your book. Um, one of them is uh, pulling in kids and getting their insight. And again, parents, if you're just uh, kind of joining us here, we're discussing celebrating neurodiversity in literature uh, with our author here, uh, Bracca Getz. Um, so, Bracca, I see uh, one of the pieces here that was important is that the, the children were asked 
questions and having them brainstorm um, options and possibilities. I love that. Um, kids can be very creative um, given the opportunity to have these kinds of discussions with them. Um, and I think uh, also um, having kids kind of step into and become empathetic, um, you know, stepping into the shoes of the child, maybe who is feeling left out. I feel like that is a, a valuable experience um, as well um, that can really help to foster inclusion. So this, this your books, I feel like can really help to foster some, foster some great conversations uh, with parents and kids, teachers and kids. Wonderful. Thank you so much for bringing that out. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do you. Do you want it? Should I show more from the book or not? Whatever you like. Yeah. If you want to uh, finish okay. up this, this example, it'd be wonderful. Okay. And another thing the book talks about here is that in, in the Bible, there are how disabilities are mentioned. Like Moses had a speech impediment. Mm-hmm. That's something that's discussed. Mm-hmm. And Isaac was blind. And there's also someone not as well known who is deaf Mm -hmm. and he becomes a great hero. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing the book talks about is that um, when people, what, what children usually do when they meet someone with an obvious disability is they stare. Mm -hmm. And this is understandable because they're curious, but, the book mentions that there's another five letter word that begins with S. If they could do this as well, it changes everything. And that five letter word is smile. So even if they feel like staring because they're curious, if they just put a smile on their face as well, then it, it, it warms, it warms everybody smiles, warms everybody and it includes everybody. So it talks about, how important it makes you happy when someone smiles at you. So try to do it whenever you can, because everybody enjoys feeling appreciated and included. And then at the end of the book, it talks about helpful hints, like just basic things, because the more a child is familiar, like you say, um, a child with um, that's neurotypical mm-hmm. is not so familiar with how to interact. It teaches basic skills like when you meet someone in a wheelchair, sit down on the same level with them to talk. It's just basic. Mm -hmm. When you meet someone who's blind, introduce yourself. Hi, Mm -hmm. it's David here. And then when you're walking away, say, okay, I'm going to go now. It's just really just basic skills that makes a person feel more comfortable interacting. Mm -hmm. Um, When a person... Let's, oh, a person who's deaf, you can write down um, notes. And if you can't write yet, if you're a very young child, then mm-hmm. you could draw pictures, just different ways to interact. And also, of course, to speak slowly so they can hopefully read your lips. And, mm-hmm. and, and the other thing is when, and also if you see someone, you could ask if they'd like help opening a door or getting a chair. They may not want the help, but but just to know that it is good to ask because they may not know, should I ask or not? So, right. and then the last thing it talks about is 
all the invisible disabilities, um, mm-hmm. autism being one of them. There are so many invisible disabilities. Mm-hmm. My children um, had dyslexia, and mm-hmm. that's an invisible disability. That they were they spent a lot of energy covering it up, yeah. pretending they could read when they couldn't. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it it no one would ever guess looking at them. You know, so you can't tell. There's so many invisible disabilities. So it's just great to try to include, if you see someone sitting to the side, not joining in the game, ask them if they'd like to join. And maybe they don't want to, but it doesn't hurt to ask. And it it just makes people feel included. Plus, children who are neurodiverse, they get invited to many less birthday parties and and have much less, many less play dates. So whenever you can be inclusive, it makes it makes your own soul shine as well when you make another soul shine. So that those are the basic things that this book recommends that, that are giving children basic knowledge at a very young age about how to interact more effectively. Wow, I love that. You're really empowering our uh, children. And I think sometimes we, we uh, don't give kids enough credit. You know, and I love how you started and talking about how, you know, kids can people think sometimes they're too young to understand. But sometimes they're understanding concepts we're not even aware they're understanding or to some degree they understand. And maybe we can put words to that and explain it more. It'll answer their questions and it will, I think, help them to be able to have these more dynamic, uh, you know, and positive interactions with kids with all abilities. So. Um, you know, this is this is really great. This sounds like an awesome book. Parents, is you're out if you're out there, um, <clears throat> if you know of uh, parents who have kiddos uh, like yourself, maybe who uh, have some unique needs or neurodi- uh, uh, kids who are neurotypical and have no uh, challenges per se, this book can be valuable for any child um, because we all have strengths and weaknesses. Uh, sometimes they may be more obvious than others, uh, but this book really helps us to understand how to be inclusive, be supportive, um, and celebrate uh, uh, all everyone. Everyone has value, so... Um, this is re- really, really wonderful. Now, would you say that your books, uh, Brocker, are written more for teachers to use in a classroom environment or for parents? Yeah, definitely for both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the point is to to get this information into children as early as possible. Okay. Um yeah, we, we, we haven't, we, there's a saying in the Talmud, if a person learns when he's a child, what is it like? ink written on fresh paper. It it sinks in and it makes an impression that lasts. So give this information, this education to children as early as possible Mm -hmm. so we can have more inclusive list inclusiveness throughout their lives. That's that's really great. And I love how you also brought in those invisible disabilities. Like you said, um, many uh, of us struggle with uh, things that aren't uh, seen. They're not so uh, extrinsic. They're not on the, on the outward uh, side, but they impact us just as much and they impact kiddos just as much. So um, I like the example you were saying about, you know, what to do if if someone's in a wheelchair and whatnot. And I can think about, you know, kiddos with autism because, you know, those are the parents that we're supporting a lot um, with uh, our broadcast, I could see kiddos asking um, if if they can, you know, give a handshake or a high five because some kids with autism don't like that personal touch. You ask before you give a hug or anything of that nature. Um, Maybe asking about personal space, 
um, and uh, maybe giving some some support that way, asking if they want to be a fr- have a friend or play at a certain time. Sometimes kids with autism want to play with others, and you might not think that they do, but they really do want to play with their friend. And so, just offering that, like you said, they could, they have the choice to say yes or no, but at least offering it, um, it just makes you feel good as a person. It's a really wonderful point you made. To, to know that they should always ask, mm-hmm. always ask, it, it can't hurt. Mm-hmm. And even they might, a child with autism might like playing next to you, but not in, yes. but not with you. And yeah. be oh, teaching children about all these possibilities is mm-hmm. so helpful. Yeah. Yes. This is great. Well, any other parting words for our families today, Bracca? It's just been great uh, learning about your book and what you do. Um, I will say there's a, There's a a quote from Dr. Seuss that I love. A child can understand anything that's read to him. If the the writer takes care to to state it clearly and simply enough. Mm. And and that's just the way it is. Children have the capacity to understand the deepest concepts. We just have to take the time to explain it to them joyfully. Yes. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Great parting words. And uh, we're just so excited to hear about your books that do just that. And they, they're they able to share these ideas of inclusion and neurodiversity uh, with children in a way that they can relate to. Um, so really, really wonderful. Parents, if you are looking to um, reach out and find out more about Bracca's books, uh, Bracca, let us know how parents can find you. Yeah. Okay, sure. I have my Amazon author page has all of my, now there's 41 books. A new book just came out this week. And yeah, thank God. Let's stay healthy. Everybody Mm -hmm. needs to stay healthy. So, and this is for children. You know, Mm -hmm. it it explains like why, why junk food is junk food for our bodies. Mm -hmm. It really explains it because otherwise they don't know. People just think, Oh, what does it matter? But it does matter what we give. Like it matters what fuel you put in a car. It really matters what we put in our body Mm -hmm. to have the full energy and to stay healthy as long as we possibly can. So we can do more good things in this world. Yeah. So um, my children, my youngest children just created um, a new website for all my books as well, which is the Getz Bookshop. So if you see how you spell my last name. The Gets Bookshop has all my books, and that helps out my children, too. So if you want to check that out, you can see um, also videos of me doing stuff and all kinds of things. So they just put that together, and you could find my books there as well. <laughs> That's wonderful. And congratulations on your new book that you've just published. Wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) Great. Well, this has just been a pleasure as we've discussed our topic today, celebrating neurodiversity in literature. Uh, Bracca, thank you again for being our guest and for all the work that you do in writing children's books. My pleasure. Thank you, Crystal, for your amazing work. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. And parents, if you are in need of uh, support in the area of autism, uh, especially in your needs uh, within the public school system and IEPs, definitely reach out to our sponsor, Sanford Autism Consulting at sdautismhelp.com backslash resources. It's been a pleasure. And parents always remember you're going to be okay. And your child is going to be okay too. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 